0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome
1: network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.
2: We're Grant and Danny, and this is The Fan, taking you up to 6.30 tonight. 3.45, our double play. I think we both had the same idea, so we'll just double dip. A made-for-Netflix documentary-style scandal for the U.S. men's national team. The soccer team that, you know, the the whole country's soccer team. Yeah, you know, the highest levels. They have a a scandal going on that could happen, like, at any youth rink near you where where hockey is played. Yeah. I mean, it's it's such a wacky.
0: 13, 14-year-old kids, like, over-involved parents. It
2: is insane. So we'll do that at 345. We got our Beltway Blitz at 4, and we are blitzing the NFC East today. Checking in with the Cowboys, Giants, Eagles at five o'clock. All three of those teams are playoff bound. The Commanders, alas, in the third year under Ron Rivera, are not. They will have a losing record for the third straight year. We're talking about the Rivera era. By the way, it's nine out of twelve now with winning uh, records having avoided and eluded Ron Rivera in nine out of his twelve seasons. Tough to to you know make sense of how badly things have gone here at quarterback. Because I really do think that's the whole story. Like, I don't think Rivera is a terrible coach. I don't think they've done a really bad job across the rest of the roster. I think they've done a subpar job maybe. But the massive failure at quarterback gives you no chance and is a suffocating air out of the lungs kind of situation that nothing else matters. And now they're set to embark on finding a quarterback again this offseason. And my faith that they get it right is now zero. Last offseason, I had some hope. No, They had basically been really choosy, but they hadn't decided to go all in. And I thought, look, maybe they're more conservative than I am in this regard. Maybe they're just really cheap, so to speak. But when they go in, they're going to go in and do it the right way. They're going to be sure. How can I possibly expect that they get this right? How can anyone listening to this show right now trust this triumvirate and this front office to do this correctly? Yeah,
0: I think there's no way to interpret it differently unless – you know, you got some other kind of agenda or, you know, you just kind of woke up after a few different seasons. But, I mean, for me, grading Rivera, the coach, I think he's on a binary, a net minus, but it's not a disaster, right? I think he doesn't do timeouts, inconsistency on fourth downs, the controllable stuff, Uh, the number of times where they've I'm not sure if I want to go for it on fourth down or not, and then i got to burn a timeout. I mean, those little things that add up, especially when you're a team that's playing rock fight-style football when one little moment's going to matter, really, really, really huge, right?
2: I think he's a C-minus as a head
0: coach. Where are you at? D-plus, so a matter of like a two or three oh, points. so you think
2: he's a bad head coach.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he's, again, on the spectrum of excellent top of the line to terrible. I don't think he's a disaster, but I think he's a net minus. All right,
2: but let me ask you this. Yeah. Because I actually had this exact debate with someone a couple nights ago. His teams are a pain in the butt to play. And they all kind of take on the exact same image, which is not necessarily how you like teams to look or I like teams to look. But there is something to be said for that super physical, run first, good defensive, low scoring like line of scrimmage battle type mm-hmm. games, the floor with him, even though it's a lot of seven win seasons is higher than it has been at times where the bottom has completely fallen out. There is a buy-in. The players do really like him. Yes. I give him a lot of credit for all of that, that dusty Baker, like I always used to say, he's the best manager in the sport, 21 hours a day. I think Ron Rivera is as good a coach as there is 21 hours a day. The three hours of the game dings, what was an A down to a C for me? But do you agree with some of that at least? I
0: agree with every word. The difference is you when you say C minus, that's 70. I got him at a 68 and a half. That's, so there's your letter grade, right? Okay. That's that's all it is for me. I think the controllable stuff on game day that we always sort of look past, should there, there's no excuse because it's all controllable. Like That stuff, if it's wrong, it's a disaster. It should be 100% right every time. It, it, it is a scientific, binary, yes or no, Unequivocally correct or incorrect, and he's incorrect way more often than he's correct, right? And just sometimes he's going with his gut, and sometimes it's we go for two, and sometimes we don't, and sometimes we punt from the thirty-five. All these different things, right? They, they don't make sense. It's so I think he's a negative in that regard. I also think because he's not game planning, he's not doing the offense, he's not doing the defense. He's just sort of the CEO. That dings him even more for me. But you're 100 right. The week of, you could see it. You, I mean, think about. I keep going back to it. Think of that video where he told Jeremy Reeves. That he's going to the Pro Bowl. Think of the video, right? Like that—that's the proud papa. That's the guy who's you want to play for. Yes. In that regard, he's as good as anybody in the league.
2: Yeah, I try to stress this, and I've talked a lot about this this season. When it comes to responsibility during the weekend game planning, Rivera really is um, one of a handful of coaches in the league that, based on what I've gathered from my conversations with people around the team. It's a one-to-four job for him in terms of like his control and his power, calling the shots. And the rest of the week, he is doing important things, but he is not running meetings. Like Jack Del Rio is extremely involved. Everything about that defense is the Del Rio show. And then Turner operates and runs the offense, which is not to say Rivera does nothing, but he is doing media appearances. He is kind of keeping the house in order. He is having meetings and making sure he knows certain things that he needs to know going into Sunday and checking up on injury reports and everything involved with the media and press conferences. He is the active face all week long. He is certainly offering feedback, telling a coach, hey, I want to run the ball more, or telling Del Rio, hey, why don't we blitz more, whatever. But that is a thing. It's a reality. Like There are head coaches, Kyle Shanahan, who are massively involved in game planning and calling plays, oh, Kevin O'Connell and Mike McDaniel, all these guys all over the league, Rivera's not doing any of that. And on the defensive side, like even as recently as last year with Mike Zimmer in Minneapolis, there are guys around the league who are defensive-minded like Matt Eberflus that might be heavily involved. And the perception, I think, is that basically it's this 90-hour-a-week job, and, and it is. It's unbelievable how hard coaches work. Mm-hmm. But... There are different ways to be a head coach, and he is the the grandpa that you don't want to disappoint, who's going to give the good speech and his door is always open kind of coach. But as a executive, I'm out. Oh yeah, so I, I am so far out. So
0: so we the, put coach to bet. So yes. we've got that. Now let's talk about the other hat. On the second line on the office door says team president or you know pro, director or whatever, out. whatever. You, the hardest of passes. It's over. Yeah.
2: I mean, that is an F. It, it just has to be an F. Mm-hmm. What happened to Chase Young with the injury last year and the recovery this year is nobody's fault. It's just not. That draft pick, number two overall, has been a a disaster so far. Mm-hmm. The, and please hear me. when I, I'm not calling him a bust. He's not a bust. He was the rookie of the year. What I'm saying is when you draft number two and you take a defensive end, You need it to be Miles Garrett or or Vaughn Miller. You know, you need it to be at Bradley Chubb in the top five who gets you 12 and a half sacks. They are going to go into year four, and the bar is now going to be to hope that Chase Young could maybe get to 10 sacks. Like, that would be a massive breakthrough, and he's back healthy. When they drafted him, they thought he could win the Defensive Player of the Year award in his second season. That is a loss Mm -hmm. of a draft pick in the first round. The next year, it was Jamin Davis. We have now lowered the bar to where we all are happy that he plays like an NFL linebacker, and he has massively improved. I didn't think he would be in the league in five years after last year, and and I give him full credit for where he's at. But that is not a good first-round pick. No. We could go through the whole list, right? It looks like Dotson's a win. Uh, Their second-rounder this year got hurt in the second week of the season, was lost for the year. But in the draft, there aren't enough wins. Free agency has been way worse. They're big expenditures, where they've spent their most money since he got here. We're talking about Carson Wentz, William Jackson, Kendall Fuller, Curtis Samuel, not one star, not one Pro Bowl, You know, not one really good season from any of those guys. Fuller's pretty good when, when things are going well. Um, I would say Curtis Samuel has a chance in a good offense to be pretty good. He's been mostly irrelevant for the second half of this season, by the way. We were just giddy because he was on the field. Yeah, that, that's, the where, the, that's where the bar is. the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL this year. Ninth. He had one touch this past week. And we're happy that he's on the field still in his second year. Yeah, when you look at when you
0: look at team building, you know, it's you let Brandon Sheriff go, which I understand, by the way. I don't, I don't want to pay a guard 20 million bucks. I was on bucks. board with that. Totally fine with that. But when you look at the totality of it, could you have used Morgan Moses, who starts in the league? You know, but you, you couldn't wait to cut that guy to bring in someone else that you knew. You let Tim Settle walk away when he signed for punter money. You you moved on from Matt Ioannidis, who probably could have helped you. Uh, and it's part of a defensive line rotation. You know, you're working to, uh, you're working Dron Payne and, and John Allen to, to the brink, and you know, sure enough, John Allen ends up hurt. I'm just saying, like these, the way they built this thing in this command image. No, the hardest of outs. I mean, there are wins. Benjamin St. Juice looks like a win. Cam Love Crow him. looks like a win. There are a number of guys that they've acquired. where you go, okay, that's nice. You point to them, but you can't do a balance sheet that's in the green. It's it's very much in the red. Well, of I, what they've uh, got in, that's that's a loss, and the people
2: they've let go that could have helped them for not that much money. I, I shouldn't even go here because the win. Let's just let the wins be the wins and not bash them. But you can't run a team for three years and make twenty four whatever it is draft picks and sign 15 players and not have some wins. I mean, you're, you're going to hit right. on some players. So no, that's fair. Just like you're going to lose on some players. Like It's ridiculous to expect everyone to bat 1,000. Everyone could go through every GM's resume and say, you took this guy over this guy. So anyone who expects them to be perfect is wrong. But on the flip side of that, like yeah, you're, you're going to run into a, a couple of good picks every now and then when you're taking stars and colleges that you know, play in, in the Power 5 and Occasionally, some of them are going to play good football. But if you look right now, if we're looking for individual wins and in personnel, I'm going to give J- Jahan Dotson a big victory because I think they were more right than the industry was on him. Remember people thought that was an overdraft? Yeah, I I liked it at the time, and, and he's been really good when healthy. Yeah, I, I love that pick. I still think getting Leno when they got him. I know he's had a rough few weeks here. By and large, had a, another very solid Listen, season. He
0: got cut, and he's a starter for you, and he should be a starter. He would start for... You know, almost half the teams that on on this league, I think, probably, right?
2: Uh, I, I think that the Samuel contract so far has not worked. That, that's not to say he's not a good player. That, that What you paid him and what you've gotten out of him for two years, that balance sheet is not in your favor. The Norwell acquisition this year was a minus. Uh, Schweitzer has, I guess, been a plus. I think he was here before they got here. Uh, Trey Turner was a minus. You know who was a slam dunk for them in year one was Logan Thomas. The last two years has obviously fallen off, but I would still say that was a huge that's win. That's a win. Yeah, a guy mm-hmm. that nobody thought could play tight end at all did pretty well that first that year. Was the, the season, mm-hmm. That was the Kyle Smith-led season, but that was a win before the Marty Party got here. Um, Robinson, I'll say, is a win. Gibson's a wash. I know a lot of people claim victory there, but that's a third-round running back who's an RB2 that you use in space occasionally. I think you can find a lot of those guys around the league. Um, You move to the defense. All their best players were already here, as we talked about. Where are their wins on defense? I'll say St. Juice. Do I love. Yes. Forrest, I think, is a win. I know he had a rough couple weeks here, but I think Forrest is a good player at safety. And Cam Curl. Cam Curl's a massive win, seventh-round pick. There's just not enough of them. But let's go back to the original question. Make the case for trusting them to get quarterback right, because that's the only thing that matters this offseason, if you can. Let's go to Lou in Silver Spring on Grant and Danny. What's up, Lou? Hey, Lou.
3: Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so I, I feel like Mugatu in uh, Zoolander right now. Like, I live in Bizarro World. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Magnum, Blue Steel, the Tigra, it's all the same face. I don't understand what people are, are, are seeing in Ron uh, when they're calling him a good coach. I would almost argue that without a top-tier talent like, like uh, uh, Cam Newton, that he might have one or no winning seasons. It's just been miss after miss after miss. They scapegoated Dustin Hopkins because the offense couldn't produce. Like eh, So I just don't understand. what I think if we had real ownership, he would be fired on Monday. I'm sure he's a great, amazing person. I'm a lifelong fan. I'm sick of being a loser. And right now, Ron Rivera has his team stuck in the mud. And as a fan, I'm over it. I'm done with it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate Appreciate you. you. Look, it's hard to
2: argue with a lot of what you just said. One thing that I find interesting, however you come in on the Rivera debate, if we're having one right now, is I do notice still, like there was a caller at the end of last hour, I don't remember who it was, um, before we talked to our guy, Richmond John, who said that something like, you know, compared to the idiots we've had, and they mentioned Jay Gruden or Shanahan or whoever, Jay Gruden had more success. They were closer here under him. And maybe, you know, you don't like that he, you know, the video that came out of him sitting on the street or whatever. If if you like the decorum of Rivera, I get that. I'm a decorum guy. Mm -hmm. But it's just revisionist history. You know, in his first three seasons here, Gruden had two winning seasons. Rivera's 0 for 3. So it's just funny to me, to that caller's point, Yeah when we're debating who's good and who isn't, and people act like we're in such a better place because at least that idiot Jay Gruden's gone, and now you got this genius Ron Rivera, or, or not even a genius, but this adult. They they were closer. Well, they, but, they were throwing for 4,900 yards. But I think it's they, they, were, they had man. weapons. They were scoring points. They were making the playoffs. They had winning seasons. I bring this up all the time, and it sounds like a criticism,
0: but it's not. Ron Rivera, his character and personality have run laps his rep runs laps around his results. Whereas Jay's up at the podium going, it's not even close to good enough how to play at the quarterback position, running Robert Griffin under the bus, and everyone's right. mad about that. Ron Rivera's not going to do that. Ron Rivera's got everybody eaten out of the palm of his hand. So nobody notices that he's got 9 out of 12 losing seasons. He's like, nobody no- He's beloved yeah. because he he's great at presenting himself in that way. So nobody else could get the, yeah, he's godfathered, and he's a good coach treatment with those kinds of results.
2: Let's go to Steve in Annandale, home of the Adams. What's up, Steve?
4: Hey, how are you? Happy New Year, guys. You, you too, too. buddy. Hey, long time, listener, first time caller. Oh, hey, man. I, uh, hey, I've been appreciating everything. Well,
3: Jim's always got you. You're good now. Now go.
4: <laughs>
5: hey, I appreciate everything you guys been
3: uh, saying, and you know I am not a wronger,
4: brother, but I will say. You know, in the three years that he's been head coach, what free agent would want to sign with the Washington Football Team?
2: Well, anybody and who wants money, right? yeah, you got to pay I the mean, we stink tax. You're going to pay a little bit more, but anybody who wants a little cash—sorry uh, to cut you off quick, your, your phone was a little tough to hear—but yeah, uh, they've never had a problem luring players other than marquee quarterbacks. So if he's talking about the quarterback position and who wants to come here, maybe that's a fair ask. Although I will tell you that Albert Breer of SI did write just about a week and a half ago that he thinks this is a really good destination now to bring in a quarterback because of how good this defense is and how exciting this wide receiver group is. If you're trying to get a veteran quarterback, I'm just going to pick one, Garoppolo this offseason, and you call and you say, hey, on my defense, it's led by a defensive line with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, who we franchise-tagged, and uh, John Allen, and we're going to be a top 10 defense for the third time in four years. And on top of that, you're going to be throwing to McLaurin, Samuel, Dotson, and I got two young running backs who can make plays for you.
0: Oh, so we're, you're a poor man in San Francisco? Okay, I'll be right there. Why, why wouldn't
2: you want to do that?
0: Yeah. Let's
2: go to Tony in Long Island. What's up, buddy? Tone.
4: How we doing, guys? Good, brother. Uh, you know, Rivera, Yeah, he, he's really sucking the soul out of me with this team. Um I know you guys gave him grades of C- and D. It means he's in in the scope of the NFL and accomplishments in terms of winning and losing, he's a loser. And if you look and forget about him as an executive, which is an absolute abomination and the only way this can be solved is if they miraculously get Derek Carr, who we know is a competent NFL quarterback, we could wake up on Sunday mornings and kind of feel good about ourselves. Any other acquisition from this front office is going to be an unmitigated disaster. We know that already. Um, but going, I wanted to bring something to your attention, which really highlights why Ron is a loser head coach. He did an interview at the end of the week. I really want you guys to play it and listen to it. And this says this all you need to know about him. He's an excuse machine. He did an interview at the end of the week with J.P. Finley. And J.P. Finley asked him, point blank, The defense was abysmal in the second half. What was the reasoning, the tackling? They were on ice skates in the second half. What was the reasoning for them to be so poor? You know what his answer was? Jonathan Allen wasn't on the field. So an entire defense in a must-win game can't tackle because their starting defensive tackle is not on the field. Do you think that Bill Belichick would say that about the Patriot defense? Do you think Bill Parcells or Joe Gibbs would have said that about their defenses? The man, if you listen to him closely, he's a loser. He's never going to win. I would love for you guys to replay that interview and listen to that. Thanks a lot, guys.
0: Yeah, thanks, dude. That's why Kendall Fuller couldn't get Amari Cooper down on that first down. (laughs) No Jonathan Allen on the field. Three
2: drives, three touchdowns. You know, when it wasn't John Allen's fault in the press conference after the game, they didn't have Cam Curl and they didn't have – Benjamin Sanchez, that, that, you know, those were factors, too. It's it's a really good call, as they usually are from Tony. I'm going to find that audio. Let's, let's work on that, Darius, uh, from the interview and see if we can hear it because I have not heard that specific answer. Do you think this group can figure this out? All it takes—well, I'm going to do the thing Danny hates. They just have to find a quarterback. Just do that. Just they, do it. If they find a quarterback— <laughs> It will be the ultimate whiteout.
0: That's what Snyder said for 30 years now, whatever it is, 20 years. It will
2: be the eraser. It's going to help fix everything else. They're close, dot, dot, dot. We've heard that before. But they need a quarterback. That's what they're telling you. That's what they think. Do you trust them to find the guy to fix this thing in year four? 800-636-1067 MGM, National Harbor Listener Lines, on Grant and Danny. Thanks to Byron. Welcome back. We're Grant and Danny. This is The Fan. By the way, announcement made this morning. I don't know if you guys saw this. The XFL schedules have been released, and the D.C. Defenders, who have 10 games this year, are going to open at home at Audi Field on ESPN on February 19th for an 8 p.m. kickoff against the Seattle Sea Dragons. The Defenders at home... Just about every other week for the duration of their season. But what's cool about the XFL slate this time around, all their games are on network TV. So they're going to play on ABC once. They'll be on ESPN twice and ESPN2 twice. And then the other five games are going to be on FX, which is picking up kind of the other of the XFL games to make sure that they all have a TV home. But that schedule just came out today. So the opener, remember last time we were all over it as a station, we were there. There were close to twenty thousand people at Audi Field.
0: I didn't know Audi Field could hold that many.
2: Yeah, I think it. I thought it was like a fifteen k type uh, of situation. It was like seventeen and change. Is that maybe. Right? Yeah, something like that. But I think they had over fifteen thousand people, close to seventeen thousand people in the stands for a couple of those games. Yeah, twenty k is
0: the capacity. Um, that,
2: that stadium's awesome, by the way. Sold out. It
0: was cool. Such a cool experience going there.
2: Uh, I've been there for soccer. I've been there for football. I guess probably nothing else. But yeah, it is a really good venue.
0: So I, I hadn't been. Until I got, I don't know how I got hooked into this, but it was like a, a taste of DC, like food truck convention or something or other like that, where it's like you can go and, and check out anything you want there. Like anybody that's got a food truck can come and be a part of it. And so, like they open up the venue, and I was like, I can't believe I don't come here more. Right, this stadium is
2: great. Sight lines are awesome. Yeah, it's all good. All the seats are good. Uh, yeah, I'm in. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the Defenders back on the field at Audi Field. I do want to go over there for the FanDuel. Sportsbook, didn't that open like a couple months ago? I still haven't been there. But... Yeah,
0: yeah, it opened I th- at Howdy Field. Yeah, 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 it was right before the football season. I Pictures think, I look say. immaculate.
2: Is yeah. it open all the time or just on? I game believe days?
0: so. I believe it's open all the time.
2: Yeah, See, I don't know why I haven't made it over there. It's only right across the street. From it's where super we're
0: far. I mean, you have to go outside. Have to walk like three blocks across a road. Who has time?
2: We're on our half street studios. We are discussing Rivera. And the Marty Party, can they figure out the quarterback position? Do you have faith in them going into the offseason here after this weekend against Dallas? Shea's in Gainesville. What's up, Shay?
5: Hey, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, buddy. New Year's. You too. Hey, guys. Thank you. So, guys, I, I mean, I think it's pretty clear. You guys have laid it out pretty clearly for all of us. Um, Ron can't get it done. Um, there's nothing that he's done over these last three years that gives us any confidence that he'll be able to pick the next quarterback here. Um, I keep hearing that Ron's a a good guy, and I think there, there, there are good men out there with some really bad qualities, and he's one of them. He is not accountable. As good as he is off the field, he is not accountable. I have heard him call out quarterbacks, linebackers, other players, but you never hear him pointing the finger at himself and saying, I can do better that's not the mark of a good leader. And at a certain point, you're gonna look, your team's going to look at you and say, hey, you're the one that made that QB change. You're the one that decided to draft the linebacker and then say he can't play middle and then now have all this confusion. Like, Ron needs to be accountable, and he hasn't done that. Ron actually looks broken right now. That, that press conference he did yesterday – when you looked there, he looked like a broken man.
2: He was low energy, Appreciate you, dude. but I-, I will say there's ebbs and flows to his energy. Like there are some press conferences where he's sitting there eating pretzels, you know, shucking and jiving, and he's like, "Hey, John, read your story this week. That's good. Hey, Matt Paris, how you doing, Bulldog?" And he's like just you know he's just chopping it up.
0: Yeah, we'll look for a quarterback in the offseason. Maybe Ben Stenick could help us. Mr. I know everything tweet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I see you, pal. Then he's cutting promos after the Chicago game yelling right, at us. But then
2: there's times where it is like super sullen's not the right word, but just low energy. Yeah, more <laughs>
0: abound, pretty pretty beaten.
2: So, so but it, it ter- in terms of
0: accountability, I actually tend to agree and it's it I, I get frustrated. By that and I, listen, I know when you're when you're talking about a bunch of losses, you're talking about disappointment, you're talking about something that everybody knows is wrong. You can't always go up there and be like, "You guys really are right." Carson stinks, and anybody who thought differently was dead wrong. Whoopsie daisy! I know you can't do that exactly. We'll never get the satisfaction that we totally want out of these guys when it comes to them at the podium. But I do wish there was more Gibbs to his game. I really do. To to the caller's point, where it's like. Hey, this this isn't good enough, and it starts with me. Like I got I got to be better. Instead of like, why haven't you got like? Remember the early one in the season when you guys are one and four, and everybody else is doing well. What's the difference? Quarterback, quarterback. I could what about? I got to coach better. It starts with me. Or you know what I mean? What about yeah, what yeah. about
2: that first? Instead of being like, oh, you know what's that? It's our position. And then we got to clarify. Well, he, here's where I'll, I'll even double down on that for you. Is it's one thing if you're just the head coach and you have to wear it all the time. Mm-hmm. He's not just the head coach. There's not a decision from a football standpoint that gets made in that building that he doesn't make. Period. You have yeah. full control and autonomy of everything. And that's really good when it comes to the first and the 15th and that's really good when it comes to, you know, the, the, the you know the ego and and be, being able to run your own shop and all the things that come with the being the CEO, but also it makes Time to pay the piper when things aren't going well. You've got to wear it a little bit. It's like playing quarterback in this league. Mm-hmm. You're going to get too much credit, and you're going to get too much blame. Every single game, it goes well, you're going to get more credit than you deserve. It goes poorly, you're going to get more blame than you deserve. It's the same when you run the the, the shop. But, yeah, there is some of that that's missing sometimes. Let's go to Vincent in Akikik. What's up? Hey,
5: Vince. What's, what's up, guys? Uh, um, So, I called yesterday. I think y'all know how I feel about Ron. Um, I don't think he's the guy to lead us. Um, Grant, you made a very good point. Ron does none of the coaching, of, you know, putting in the, the installs, the game plan, or anything like that. He's supposed to be the overseer. So that actually makes it worse that he did not have a clue that if we lost, um, that we were going to be eliminated on Sunday. Um, so, to just generally answer, is Ron the guy to lead us, find the right quarterback, uh, get anything right? No. Ron was also, if I'm not mistaken, the guy who um, allowed, who had the guy who got our, uh, our doors kicked in by the DEA because um, yeah. his his trainer was uh, telling drugs.
2: Yeah, that was his longtime trainer, Ryan Vermillion. He called him RV. He brought him from Carolina. Yeah, that, that was one of his buddies. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why, when I do say most of the time, a lot of the cultural stuff that has happened since he got here is not of his doing. Some of it is. Yeah, there's some. <laughs> you brought that guy, and the DEA kicked your doors down, and I, I don't know what do you call it. They, they stormed his house. Did they arrest him? Did they not arrest him? I don't know, but he got cuffed at some point <laughs> as the reporting went. Mike in Haymarket, how are you?
1: Uh, doing well, gentlemen. How are you? Good, man. Good. Uh, so here's the thing. I, everybody who's who's going to call in today is going to tell you they're they're done with Ron, et cetera, et cetera. Um, frankly, I'm done with him as far as the uh, the personnel selection of anything goes. He doesn't put time in. He's kind of just a figure on the sideline of calling, you know, uh, making decisions about penalties and and field position and things like that. And we're kind of past that point, aren't we? Um, we've seen that with, like, Joe Gibbs. We see that, you know, we saw that with Jay Gruden. We don't have these guys who are passionate about the game and actually trying to, you know, show that they care that we win or we lose or they're on top of it. It it just seems like a lot of these other coaches, the ones that you've mentioned, like LaFleur and and McVay and all of them, know what's going on with their team. It seems like Ron is kind of just this checked-out mental thing, and if we win, we win. If we don't, we don't. He, I think, personally, he should have been fired at the end of the game, considering the fact that he made this decision to go away from a hot hand in, in, in Taylor Heineke to go with Carson Wentz coming off injury who hasn't played in five weeks. It makes no sense to do that. And then you get away from your offense where you are pounding the ball time and time again. Ron should have stepped in, said, no, this is not our identity. We need to win this game. Because we are on the we are in the, the hunt for the playoffs.
2: I think they ran it on like seventeen of their first twenty-four plays. Yeah, they ran or it a ton. They had a twenty-one play drive, but they ran it sixteen times. Seventeen times, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, seventeen times. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, the problem the other day was not that they didn't throw it. It's when they threw it. Excuse me, that they didn't run it. It's that on the occasional uh, time that they did throw it, it was catastrophic. It was to the other team. Yeah, I mean that that was the big issue. Um, I, I wonder if it looks sometimes like someone's checked out or like they're not plugged in based on the result, we work back from that. Because I, I don't believe that he doesn't know what's going on with his team, but I do think there is just more energy and urgency with other guys. McVeigh, like younger coaches... Yeah,
0: well, McVay in general, Grant, not to cut you off, but he's calling the plays. So yeah. he's sitting there fidgeting, and he's going, he's looking at his shoes. Going, all, right, all right, here we go. We're going this one and this one. Ron's not doing that.
2: No. Ron's got the headset up, and he's got his Mike arms Tomlin, crossed. And, and yeah. Tomlin is a stoic guy who's always just kind of standing there. But even Tomlin, who's in that same kind of mold of overseer there is an energy and an urgency Mm -hmm. and you know he goes into the like when someone asks mike tomlin at the beginning of the year hey do you have to make the playoffs this year for it to be a success he's gonna say hell yes that's what he's gonna say ron rivera said don't don't let's not start that you know let's not go there do you need to make the playoffs this year well i don't want to put any pressure on us it's year three yeah pressure pressure like put some i just want urgency in, in how you break the huddle and how you operate the offense and how you call plays and whether or not you burn timeouts in the overall operation. It just feels like they're acting as if they've got 10 years to get all this sorted yeah, we're out. We're
0: made in the shade. We'll get it right. Eventually. I mean, I disagree with some fans in general. I mean, they, some guys want to see temper tantrums, yeah. right? When something doesn't go, well, they want a clipboard slammed or a headset taken off. I don't need that. I need my leader to act like he's been there. Good, bad, or indifferent rain, rain, sleet, sunshine, snow, give me some leadership, right? Where you're not too high, not too low. You're you're staying medium to borrow from Jim Zorn. But at the same time, there's a way to do that and also look like you're engaged. <laughs>
2: well, it, it, I, I would just say this. I don't think there's anything wrong with his in-game demeanor. I don't. But stylistically speaking, what is my preference? I like someone who's calling plays and super engaged. I just do. And to that point, I would say, top of my head, it's, it's hard to go through it right now, but if you line up 32 coaches, he's in the bottom five of like how much are they have going on on the sideline anytime the camera shows them. Mm-hmm. That annoys a lot of people. Yeah. It's not going to move the needle for me, but I understand that while you're already annoyed and you're already frustrated, you go into this game and you need them to win and now they're not winning. You're going, please do something. Please say something. Yeah, and do something. You just see him staring Talk at the field. Talk to somebody. That bothers people. <laughs> yes. But I'm just not a body language guy. I will push back on the hot hand Heineke thing. They hadn't won in three weeks. They, can't scored, score. they scored 12 points in a home game with Heineke against the Giants. Uh, I thought he played pretty well against the Niners, but he turned the ball over twice in his final three plays. They'd gone tie-loss-loss. Loss. So wasn't a hot hand, but you can debate it was a warmer hand. He had a hand. It was a lukewarm hand that might have been warmer than the other one that they went to. He's Danny. I'm Grant. This is The Fan. Our double play is next. There is a scandal going on that has captured our attention, and we will discuss it here on The Fan. We got to get Sam Howell a barber. We'll worry about the Cowboys defense and everything after that. Micah Parsons, his hair. Have you seen his hair in all these interviews he's doing? Yeah,
0: I, I knew you'd be bothered by
2: it. I knew you'd be really worried about it. It's just so thick and fluffy and out of control. You give me a half hour at Floyd's 99 to get him a real haircut, and style him up, give him a hard part, he'll look silly. He's also got so much hair that he could do a great, he could style it up real nice. He does look
0: like a guy that's in charge of the pledges at JMU, who's a junior.
2: He looks like a radio station intern, honestly. Yeah. like he, he looks like a guy. Like I come in on the weekend because I left something, and I've never met like a dude running the board on Hi, Saturday. Hey, up, man? I'm
0: Sam. Hey, three. nice to meet and you, buddy.
2: Like, hey, I'm Sam. I'm like, hey, where'd you go to school? He's like, oh, Liberty. Or like he's like, yeah, I just got a Shenandoah. I'm like, oh, cool, man. What's up? Good to meet you. Like, l- Look forward to working with you. He, he just – he doesn't – this doesn't matter. Doesn't look like an NFL quarterback. <laughs> we He looks like – did you ever go to, like, a party in college and wake up at the house where the party was? Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, no, but I've heard of it happening. Right.
2: Let's just assume. Mm-hmm. And then you're leaving, and there's, like, a guy on the couch and he like stands up without a shirt on and goes to the refrigerator and it's like his house. But for some reason, he's sleeping on the couch because like there's one more guy there. Then there's a bedroom. He's got something.
0: like a weird nickname, like Porcupine or something. You know what I mean? It's one of those dudes.
2: He just looks like that bro. Yeah. Who's like, or, or just a guy that like walks into the party and he's like, hey, anybody, uh, anybody got Doritos? Like, I, I don't know. It's something, there, there's a vibe there. Yeah. He's got a
0: story about widespread panic and like other bands he's seen live 28
2: times, you know? It's just a <laughs> hilarious, I, I posted it on my Instagram story. I legit last night was LOL and just looking at pictures of his hair. I'm just like, this guy is so funny. I don't know why. I think he he clearly didn't know this was coming, except he probably should have. Like we, I, I asked Ron about him possibly starting on Sunday, and now it's Wednesday. He had the day off Tuesday. Yeah, he's not steamed up to go to Floyd's 99 to look silly for his first press conference.
0: He's been a play away for a while. Probably should probably should have
2: gone already. Eh, he loves it. I think he loves the. It, the, the the big problem if you really wanted to get into it it's kind of a bowl cut <laughs> like it's a little bit of a bowl cut right now is it not I I don't know it was it, it was a little bit
0: dishy it was a little bit shoveled you know what I mean What what I saw I didn't necessarily see bowl Ew. I didn't
2: see Todd Bowles I'm not saying it's a bowl cut I'm saying there are some bowl cut tendencies really oh yeah it was a Fiesta blank it's a little it, it was a it was a game that was a classic
0: a peach blank a right. rose blank you're right yeah
2: All right, it is time for our double play. What's going on in our lives? Nothing to do with sports.
0: We can play a little game. Travel soccer drama or thing going on with Team USA? No, seriously.
2: Thing going on with Team USA. This will be our dual double play brought to you by GovSmart, intelligent IT solutions for government. Visit GovSmart.com.
0: Take it back to the World Cup where the U.S. did what it always does. They got out of the group stage, no further. They got thrashed by the Netherlands, a real contender, and it wasn't even close and sort of that's that. Well, th- there was a player on the roster we've now found out um, who was pretty dissatisfied, a young star named Gio Reyna, right? He's a really talented young, young forward, neither here nor there. Didn't play very much
2: and people couldn't quite figure out why. I remember knowing nothing about the team, but overhearing constantly about how the head coach should be playing Reyna and why are they not playing Reyna and how is he not on the field? People were very bothered.
0: His dad is as good a U.S. player I've ever seen. He's really, really good. Gio Reina was awesome for this team when they went their furthest back in 2002. Who's Claudio Reyna? I thought that Excuse me. Gio's the kid. Claudio's the dad. Sorry. I said the wrong thing.
2: Let's say Claudio is a player that I actually know. He's He's like a a big silly. Yeah, he
0: was fantastic. So his son, you know, whatever, didn't... Didn't play very much. Played the second half against the Netherlands, but sort of that was it. Greg Berhalter, who was the head coach, um, made some sort of cryptic comments, but now everyone knows who he was talking about. There's somebody they thought about sending him home from from Qatar. uh, Wasn't participating like you should have in practice. They call it training. It's just practice. Don't call it training. It's practice. And you wear uniforms and you're on a field, not a pitch. Anyway, so it turns out that was him. And it kind of was this story that's perpetuated a little bit. It was the source of a lot of strife. You had uh, Rana come out and say, "I'm I'm annoyed that this is still happening. I'm sorry that this is going on. Whatever, whatever, right?" It seems to have been kind of put to bed. Well, the tenure of Greg burhalter expires as coaching uh, does, right? When you coach the national team, you you get terms, and his has expired. Well, one of the the two the set of parents for Gio Rana were so upset at at the coach for not playing their son or mentioning something about him in the media, etc., that. They couldn't help but let the U.S. Soccer Federation know that 31 years ago, 31 years ago as a college student, Greg Berhalter, apparently, I, I have no idea if it's true or not, I don't know what the deal is, uh, kicked his wife, the woman who is now his wife and mother of his four children, okay? So, again, that's not cool. That happened. I don't know anything about it. I don't know if it was a drunken incident. I don't know. I'm not excusing it. I'm simply saying this happened. They were... Friends at the time, uh, Gio Reyna's mom, they were teammates at UNC where this took place 31 years ago. So your timeline of events, this incident happens, 31 years go by. Nobody mentions anything to anybody. Gio Reyna doesn't play very much. Kind of gets embarrassed, not even kind of gets embarrassed indirectly by burhalter Next thing you know, this has to be reported to the U.S. Soccer Fed, uh, uh, Federation because his contract is up for a potential renewal, or they move on to somebody else. Just very strange timing,
2: I would say. Amazing. And wasn't the way that it went down initially that he came out, meaning the head coach, Peralta, yep. with his wife making a statement? Because it was his wife 31 years ago, before yes. they were married, obviously. Mm-hmm. But they came out with a statement. I don't know if you mentioned this saying, basically. I didn't really, know. Uh Essentially, they tried to get ahead of this. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, someone's... They would, didn't say who. It made it seem like it was outside of the organization. But they said, someone's blackmailing us, basically. They're going to release this information about something terrible that happened 30 years ago. Here's what happened. We're very sorry. Like They came out and said that, correct? Yes. And everyone's like, what the hell is this about? This is weird. Only to find out the next day that it was Gio Reyna's parents, basically, the, the mom of the player, who was blackmailing them, saying she's going to release this information or whatever, allegedly. I mean, it is the craziest, wackiest You at the highest level, nothing like this would happen. I can't wait for the Netflix documentary. This is the
0: most state of USA sports microcosm that there is. This is what's going on with like travel sports and the and the and the politics and the climbing and everybody's so desperate. It's turned into like a multi billion dollar industry. All these different travel things, which I which I lament for a million different reasons. One, it overemphasizes. Uh, you know year-round participation and it costs money and you know access becomes more and more restricted in so many different ways it doesn't let kids recover uh, by by playing multiple different sports which helps their overall athleticism and the like the people that make it through when they play these in one sport year round all the time are better than they've ever been baseball players for example where this is really pronounced, Baseball players now are better than they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30, 40, etc., right? Just because you got to go through this gauntlet. Well, we don't mention the 15-year-olds that are getting Tommy John in record numbers. We don't mention the guys that don't make it. And, and you know, they squand- their families had to squander thousands of dollars to try to get them one of the few precious scholarships that they were always going to lose to a dude that had a mustache at 12 and was throwing 75 from 46 feet, you know? So this is what's going on. This is like what's happening out in that kind of world where you get these over-involved, hyperactive parents that can't just let the experience happen. It happened at the Team USA level, dude. Like, you're tr- you're going to try to go beat France with this? You, you, you know what I mean? You got to go try to beat the the, the Niederlander, who is just technically proficient, super well-coached, nothing but world-class players, and you're dealing with a blackmail scandal because the kid's not getting enough PT? That's what you're really... We're going to try to compete on that playing field? Astounding. It's amazing.
2: It really is. Beltway Blitz, top of the hour with you until 6.30. We're going to Blitz the East, get you up to speed on the three playoff-bound teams in the division at 5 o'clock right here on The Fan.
7: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
5: We'll